Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. So turn with me over to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. A few years ago, um, my wife's sister went to Orlando for a work conference and they gave her some tickets for Universal Studios that she never ended up using. And so Michelle and I went to Universal Studios. So this is, you know, a couple of years ago, we went and we used the tickets for the Universal Studios Park. And they had just opened Harry Potter World, right? Has anyone been to Harry Potter World in Universal Studios? Okay, a couple people, a couple sinners. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Totally kid, I totally set you up for that. I was there. I, I went there. Here's the thing. The Harry Potter World at Universal Studios, it cost them $400 million to build. Right? It's not, this isn't a theme park. This is a small area of the theme park. $400 million to build. And this area in, in the Universal Studios, the Harry Potter World, it, it was like this, it's this town and a castle and it's got snow and... The buildings are all kind of crooked and, and twisted. It just, it looked unbelievable. I mean, it looked all of $400 million, whatever that looks like. It looked like $400 million. I mean, they, everything about this is you go into this kind of Harry Potter world area with the rides and the shops and all that kind of stuff. It was like you were entering into a different world. I mean, it was so real. And you couldn't see, they, they have it kind of in the back of the park, so you couldn't see roller coasters, and you couldn't see any of that stuff around the Harry Potter. You literally walked into this place, and it looked like you were completely engulfed in this area of the park. But it, the thing about it was, is it looked so unbelievably real. From the snow, to the twisted buildings, to the castle, to the, the train that they had, I mean, everything was, it looked real, right? Now, here's the thing. It was an amazing experience because just the, 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 the architecture and everything was, about it was just was awesome. But here's the reality. It's fake, <laughs> okay? It's fake. As cool as it was, as engulfing as it was, as the, the smells and the sights and the sounds, everything, as real as it looked, right, we know it's fake, right? It's a fake place, fake world, fake buildings, fake snow, fake everything about it. It's fake, right? But it looks so close to being real when you're in there. Now, as we turn over to the parable this morning of the wheat in the weeds, we're going to see some things about the wheat in the weeds that look the weeds look so, almost so real or so like the wheat that it's hard to distinguish between what's, what's wheat and what's weed, right? And so we're going to look this morning about how the Lord Jesus talks about separating and really looking at how we look at the harvest, okay? So let's look at Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 24, parable of the weeds. So so in verse 24, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. 
So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And so the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Those are the words of Christ. And so, in this parable, in this first portion of the parable, and this is, this is what's cool about this parable, is actually Jesus interprets the parable in a few verses later, but we're going to get to that in a second. In this first portion that we just read about the parable, I want to just give two observations, okay? So in this, first off, we see a warning, okay? We see a warning. The weeds and the wheat are hard to tell apart until the time of the harvest. And I don't know if we can show the picture of the, the wheat and the weeds. The, the weeds that would have been that they were talking about in this parable would have been called, in short term, bearded darnel. Okay, bearded darnel. As you can see, this is a picture of the wheat and the, the, the bearded darnel. The weeds have leaves that are two to three millimeters wide, where the wheat would have, when they were developing, would have leaves that were four to five millimeters wide. So they were almost identical. They looked almost exactly the same, except for a millimeter or two on the leaves. Now, when they reach full maturity, right, the, the bearded darnel, the weeds, would have leaves that would reach a maximum of three millimeters, and the wheat would, would come to about six to 12 meter, millimeters wide. So there's a huge difference at the very end, but up until that point, they look almost identical. And if you realize you have an infestation of weeds, and it's too close to harvest time to really be able to do anything, because once you see they're starting to separate, the wheat's getting bigger, the weeds are staying about the same size, once that point comes, it's too late to uproot them, because the weeds, the roots of the weeds would intertangle and intertwine between all the, the roots of the wheat, and so if you pull one up, you risk completely removing the wheat as well. So you've got big problems on your hand. This is, this is a big problem. This is kind of the, you know, the first century bioterrorism, if you will. You've got big problems at this point. Now, if you do nothing, if you say, well, they kind of look the same, and I mean, they're, they're almost identical. Why don't we just, just re, like harvest them together and maybe the flavor is off of the weed or whatever. The thing is with the bearded darnel is that it's semi-poisonous. And so if you harvest that with the wheat and grind it up at the mill, then what happens is, is it completely ruins your entire crop. So you have to do something. You're forced to do something with the weeds. If you do nothing, it ruins the whole harvest. If you just let it continue to grow, you've got all kinds of issues going on here. You can't lose your entire harvest because you've got some weeds, but that's what you risk having happen. So typically what happens, what they would do, one of the options would be is that they would reap over the top of the weeds, gather the, the sheaves of the wheat, and then burn the entire field. Because you've got to do something with these weeds, because if you don't do anything, guess what's coming back next year, right? 
got the weeds coming back. So you've got to completely scorch, burn with fire the entire field, and get rid of everything after you've harvested the wheat. Now, again, the warning. The weeds are difficult to spot because they look almost identical until maturity. They almost look identical until there's a harvest, right? Up until that harvest point, they look almost identical. A couple thoughts. When we begin to deal with things like pornography, addictions, even just the subtleness of spiritual apathy, it doesn't initially look like it's a big deal, right? We, we, the things that we tell ourselves, look, it's, no one knows, no one will get hurt, it's not a big deal, it's really something that I can control, it's not, it's not affecting other people in my life. Those are the little weeds that get into our lives that unless they're dealt with, they will ruin the harvest. Those little things have such a, a massive effect on all of our life. It, it must, those things must be dealt with or we risk, we risk losing everything. Think about this. Before they had, before we had modern technology in our cars that when, when you were getting low on gas, okay, some of you will remember this, before modern technology, before there was a, a gauge in your car that told you how many miles you had left in the tank, right, how much, you'd say, you know, 50 miles still empty. Before that time, before, nowadays when you get low on gas, a light goes off in your car and then there's like dinging noises and stuff, right, and then you see on the low fuel or something, right? We, if you've got a reasonably modern car, that's what you have. Before that, before the lights and the bells and the whistles and the, all that stuff, you had a car that essentially when the gas gauge got around empty, you, just, you didn't know if you were going to run out of gas or not. Some cars you'd run out of gas before it hit empty. Sometimes you'd go way below empty. But you'd never know because your car never told you, I'm about ready to run out of gas like they do now, right? I don't know if there's certain people that run out of gas all the time right? You may be that person, but the thing was, you can go, you can coast, you can coast pretty far, we'd call riding on fumes. You can get pretty far riding on fumes. And I think in dealing with this, sometimes we, we deceive it, we can coast by for so long without having to deal with the weeds. We can just continue to coast on by, I mean, it's getting close to empty, but we're still okay, but we don't know when we're going to run out of gas. That's the problem. So often we can, we can live our lives thinking, hey, this isn't that big of a deal, these addictions, this pornography, this, this apathy that sets in and we just, ah, whatever, with, 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 with our marriages or with our children or even with, especially with spiritual, spiritual things. And the apathy just slowly wears us down. We can just ride on fumes for so long, but we will eventually run out of gas. There will eventually be a harvest. And if left undealt with, it ruins everything else. It has that kind of effect in our lives. So there's, there's first, there's a warning in this. But secondly, there's a warning. But secondly, there's an invitation to awareness. All right, there's an invitation to awareness. Jesus shows in this parable that the, the kingdom is present in the work of Jesus Christ, but it continues on, the work of the kingdom continues on in the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit of Christ 
The Holy Spirit is working and ministering in our lives and around us and in our, in, in our church, in our families. And the kingdom is, is continually present all around us. The kingdom of God is advancing, it is working, it is, the Spirit is at work renewing lives and transforming people and, and, and salvaging families that have, are on the brink of destruction. They're at work. But where the Spirit of God is at work, there will always be opposition. Where the Spirit of God is at work, where the kingdom is at work, there will always be opposition. And I thought about this, just thinking this week, Matt and Ladera in the adoption process. How easy of a process was that, right? Super easy, right? Super easy. No problem. Adoption, man, we, we, we celebrate adoption, man. It is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is beautiful. It is close to the heart of God. And yet it is so difficult at times. I'm sure you guys have felt numerous times like, this is, this is so frustrating. Why does it always have to be so difficult? I remember talking to a friend at work, and he had gone to New Orleans, and he was in the French Quarter of New Orleans. And he, this, by the way, this isn't Corey, okay? So this isn't the guy at work. This isn't Corey I'm talking about right now, okay? Just make that clear. Um, he's the other guy at work, but this is before I was working at church. So... <laughs> So he said, he's, he's in the French Quarter, and he's like, man, it's 100 degrees outside, and he's walking through, and he's like, man, every, so the first store is like a magic kind of voodoo shop, and the next store is a strip club, and then the next store is a bar, and the next store is another voodoo shop, and it's just like, this kind of repeats itself going through this whole thing. He's like, it just, it was totally bizarre to him. And so he gets to this place where he's walking down the street, and he sees this guy in his trench coat, full trench coat, 100 degrees outside. He's, he's like six foot six, huge guy. He's got his big black hat on, and he's standing in front of the strip club. And he's walking past, and he, he kind of looks at this guy, and this guy looks at him, and he said, he's like, man, I feel like I saw like, the eyes of Satan in this guy. And he looked at me and says, he said, you, get in here. And it just, it's, I don't know if he was a Christian or not, because we were talking about this whole experience later. And I was sharing just, I had a chance to share my faith with him, but it scared him to death. He's like, I was looking into the eyes of the devil when this guy was speaking to me. Now, you better believe as, as we are walking through our lives and we seek to follow the Lord, that there is going to be opposition. There's going to be opposition there. There isn't, a, there isn't a field, a farmer's field in all the earth that does not have weeds in it. Every field has, has weeds in it. Now, we, we don't have to do an international adoption. We don't have to be in the French Quarter on a 100-degree day walking past the strip clubs to feel like there's opposition. Look, the moment you decide to open your Bible, the moment that you say, hey, I'm going to pray, or I'm going to go to church, or whatever it may be. There are a million things and a million reasons why you shouldn't do that. Right? Your phone rings, you get a text message, you, got, you just remembered, oh, i got to do something real quick, i got to run to the store, I've got to fix something. I mean, there, am I right about this? Right? Every time you seek to do that, there is immediately a whole bunch of other stuff going on that you've got to deal with immediately. 
that's going to prevent you and keep you from reading the Word, from prayer, from seeking the Lord, from going to church, from all these other things. And some of them are really good things, too. I mean, it's not all bad. It's not like all bad things that you need to do in this moment. But there is an enemy sowing seeds in the field, trying to dis- disrupt and distract and destroy. Every movement of God is met with opposition. That's just the way it is. That's what God's prepared us to do. I mean, even this, this Friday, this Friday morning, I'm praying, praying for you, I'm praying for the church, and it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't put three minutes together without something coming up. It was unbelievable. It was like this, it was, I felt, I mean, to be honest, it felt so tedious. I, I was like walking through quicksand trying to pray for the church. But every time, I mean, just a million things going on. But it's like that almost every time because we have an enemy who's sowing seeds in the field to destroy the work of God. Does Satan want the church prayed for? Does Satan want you prayed for? No, absolutely not. Does he want you opening your word and and, and fellowshipping with the Lord? Does he want you praying for your family or praying, communing with God? No, never. You better believe the moment that Bible cracks open that there is an enemy there sowing, sowing weeds into the field immediately. So I feel like that's just for us to be aware. There, there is an invitation to awareness, right? When those distractions come up, when the phone rings, when the text message comes, when when the to-do list, all of a sudden you remember all the things on the to-do list you did, have not done, right? That doesn't mean we have to immediately go and do all those things. That may be a perfect opportunity for us to realize, God, they're pressing into you is the most important thing I could ever possibly do in this moment. So I'll do that. Secondly, I just want to encourage us, don't be surprised by it. Don't be surprised by it. Don't be surprised on a Sunday morning when you get up to go to church that you don't feel so good, your kids aren't, your kids aren't cooperating, that on the way to church, there, you know, there's someone who's tailgating you or you're arguing with your spouse or the kids are disruptive or whatever. That's almost a guaranteed, right? Because we're, the, the enemy's trying to distract us and remove us from any hope of having our hearts prepared to hear God's word on Sunday mornings and sing his praises and worship him. It's always happening. So there's a warning and there's an invitation to an awareness. Okay? Now, I wanted to continue finish reading this, par- this parable's over, but then the disciples go to Christ and they say, hey, help us understand the parable. So there's a beautiful, there's only a, a couple of places in the scriptures where Jesus interprets the parable for his disciples. And he does that here in verse 36. So we, we read this. Then he left, then Jesus left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. He's referring to himself. It's Jesus. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, 
so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. So at first we're given a warning, then we're given an invitation to awareness, but lastly, we're given a promise. We are given a promise. So there's only a few parables that Jesus interprets as one of them. He gives us this promise that there is, there is judgment, but there is also a reward for the righteous. There is judgment, but there is also a reward for the righteous. Right? So the kingdom of God, Jesus says, the kingdom of God, what it does is it distinguishes, it distinguishes between good and evil and distinguishes between counterfeit and genuine. Right? So what Jesus is saying, like there's, there's a separating. There's a separating of what's good and what's evil. There's a separating what's, what's weed and what's wheat. The good from the bad. There's what, what, what's, what's real sustaining food and what's, what's fake, what's going to ruin. Then he ends by saying, He who has ears, let him hear. And what I love about this this section here where Jesus interprets, is that for a moment he reminds us that what we see around us does not have the final say. Right? This is not... This is not reality of what's, what it's always going to be like. Jesus Christ will return one day. The, the, the clouds will part. The, the glory of Jesus Christ will fill the earth. There will be a revelation of who He is. He's going to come back, and redeem his, his people and bring them to Himself. That all the, all the eyes of the earth will see Him and bow before Him and declare that He is the Lord. That's going to happen one day. That's not wishful thinking. That, that is the reality. That's the truth of who He is and who He says He is. That one day, this life as we know it is going to come to a screeching halt and Christ Jesus is going to show up. And when He shows up, it's going to be glorious and majestic and powerful. And no one at that point is going to say, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. That's going to be it. He has the final say. That's reality. This earth is not our final destination. This earth is not our final resting place. Christ Jesus takes us to be with Himself. And He will return in power and glory. And in this parable, He is giving us, He's giving each and every one of us an opportunity to respond. He's not just saying this, saying, hey, look, man, so sorry for those people outside the house who didn't get a chance to hear this. Man, forget them. They're going to be judged. But for you guys, hey, but you've got it good. Don't worry. You shine, like the, you shine like, the, like the stars. He doesn't say that. He's giving us this opportunity so that we can respond. We have an opportunity to listen to His voice. We can hear Him. That we would go to be able to go to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I want to be in that number. I want to be in that place where where I am counted as the righteous. And thank goodness for Jesus Christ who's made a way for us to be declared righteous. He made a way for us to remove our shame and our guilt. He's made a way for us. 
And he says, repent, repent of our sins, and trust in his finished work for us on the cross. That is what he is calling each and every one of us to. That is what he's calling the hearers of this parable. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. He's inviting us to respond. He says, I want you to respond to this. There's good news. There's a way to escape the judgment. And his name is Jesus. That is our way. That we would repent of our sins, and that we would trust in Jesus Christ, that he has, he has lived this earth, he died for our sins, and he rose again, and that he is coming back. And that in so doing, in trusting in him and turning from our sins, there is new life available. There is a righteousness that Jesus Christ clothes us in, that we are found in Christ, we are brought into him, no longer belonging to the kingdom of darkness, but belonging to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That is the invitation for all who hear this parable. This morning, if you have not responded to the call of Jesus Christ, this morning can be your morning. He is saying this to us, and he's, he's inviting us to listen with our ears, to hear and, and to respond. He wants us to respond. He's inviting us to respond. That if you have not repented of your sin, and turn to Jesus Christ and ask Him to forgive you, trust Him for forgiveness, He wants you to do that this morning. He's inviting us to do that. Because of what awaits for us is this. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. That we have a new Father, a new kingdom, a new place. We're going to close in prayer. I want to invite you. We're going to pray. If you have not, if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, I want to invite you to this morning can be your morning. As I pray, you can pray along with me. You can come see me afterwards. You can see the person next to you. It doesn't have to be me. There are people here who would love to pray with you if you have any questions. But I want to invite us this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for the invitation. Lord, I, Lord you've said, he who has ears, let him hear, Lord Jesus. And we have ears to hear. Jesus, we ask right now that you would forgive us of our sins. Jesus, thank you for the forgiveness that you offer us. Thank you that you have died on the cross for our sins, that you have risen to new life, the grave could not hold you, that you have defeated death. And Jesus, we trust in your offer of forgiveness. Lord, we turn from our sins. Lord, those, those things in our lives, Lord, that displease you and dishonor you, Lord, that bring shame upon us, Lord, pray that you would forgive us. Wash us clean. Clothe us in your righteousness. Lord, I pray for, for all of us, Lord, that we would not be surprised at the opposition we experience. Lord, that we would be aware, God, that your kingdom is advancing. One day at a time, your kingdom is advancing in our lives. One moment, one decision at a time, your kingdom advances. God, help us, Lord Jesus, to surrender to you, to love you, to trust you, to walk with you. In your name we pray. Amen.